Titanic-related podcast dead ahead. James Cameron's pet project before the Avatar sequels dominated in the 90s, and now it's time for it to dominate that song from that movie. Welcome to the latest episode of That Song From That Movie, the podcast through which we look for the very best and worst of movie songs. Um, it's a little weird at the moment, though, because I'm all on my own. Usually I'm joined in here with Alex, and because of coronavirus, we're all recording remotely. We've been separated, forcefully removed from each other. I'm, I'm my usual 300 miles away from you guys. Okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, Ben's still the same. He's really going for that social distancing. Making sure. The second that news dropped that there was going to be a lockdown in the UK, Ben jumped in a car and drove all the way to Norfolk. <laughs> Bought a house, married a woman, I'm here for the long run. <laughs> really embedding yourself. So I probably should introduce us all. Now we're trying to get into the swing of things where I'm not looking at Alex. I know it's difficult. It's difficult already, actually, not seeing your eyes as I talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I like to see you, you know, getting ready to laugh at whatever I'm about to say. Yeah, I do have to mentally prepare for it. <laughs> okay, so I'm your host, and I'm definitely near. Uh, he's usually in the same room as me, but for the foreseeable future, you can cast him as far. It's Alex. We Fasolati da do. And over the waves in the internet, as usual, wherever he is, it's Ben. I am here. Uh, so today's episode is My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion from the mega hit Titanic. Ooh, mega hit. Well... It was mega hit by an iceberg. Something like that. Shitty, <laughs> well, true. Um, so, to tell us what happened when this song and movie came out, I throw it over to you, Ben. Yes, so we will take you back to December 1997. So, yes, you know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose and all that malarkey. Ooh, it's Christmas. Yes, I know. When then just, you know, Christmas-themed movies were, you know, glittering the screen, such as Spice World. <laughs> I mean, you can't get more Christmas than that. And Tomorrow Never Dies. Again, likewise. Oh, so a couple of other disaster films as well coming out that month. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Spice World, a different kind of disaster, though. <laughs> um, yes, uh, so Spice Girls were doing very well at this time. They were battling at the top of the charts. Do you have any idea who they were battling for? I'll give you a clue. They were a four-piece going for Christmas number one. Um, is it the Wombles? It wasn't the Wombles. Hmm. Four-piece in... What, what year were we, sorry? 97? 1997. 1997. A four-piece. I was thinking maybe Bob the Builder, but I think that's later, isn't it? But you're, you're on the right lines. It was uh, Teletubbies. Teletubbies. Yeah, Teletubbies cool. Say Eto, which was number one at the start of December, and then the Spice Girls, I think, took it over. I think it was two become one, but I might be wrong there. But yes, they were battling it out. That's battle for the ages, truly. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? And we have clearly remembered them both very well. They have equal standing within the music world. It's like Oasis versus Blur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are often compared. Well, the Spice Girls and the Teletubbies both have the sort of, one of them is this, one of them is this, in the group. So they're very similar, really. True. <laughs> yeah. Who copied who? That's the real question. I think we know the answer to that. I don't. <laughs> Simon Fuller knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. He's the only one who truly knows. In other news at the time, Seinfeld announced it was finally coming to an end in the States. Didn't really take off over here, I feel, compared to the sort of the reputation it had in America. I don't even think I've ever watched more than an episode. I've never watched any of it. 
but it was always huge in the states um and yeah i never had any interest in it whatsoever the only kind of like connection i have with it is in that simpsons episode where they plan and ch- you know like they propose changing the name from springfield to seinfeld oh on the simpsons yeah then that's all i know yeah that is literally all i know about it yeah, um, MSN Hotmail announced after Microsoft bought out the service for $400 million, so we finally got MSN.com and launched basically MSN, which was a staple of my teen life. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and all of us. <laughs> yep, all my names. Remember the old uh, Enter She Carol, My Kemi Carol Romance, <laughs> and various things like this. Yeah, yeah, making sure that the uh, specific song was playing on your Windows Media Player so it showed up. Always, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and you had to make sure it was nicely formatted so it didn't look like you downloaded it offline wire. Yeah. Yep. Not that I would ever do that. <laughs> no, of course not. No one did that. No one did that. I used bear share. Oh, the panic when My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion would come on and think of all the people judging me. <laughs> judging you positively, sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> potentially. Doubt it. <laughs> But yes, it was also in a very Leeds-centric. It was the month in which the Leeds legend and Scottish legend Billy Bremner died, aged 54. R.I.P. Just at a very young age. I know, R.I.P. And also in quite in a bit more film-related news, because he would have been 100 this week, and I've seen a few movie collections doing tributes to him. You might not have been aware of him. He's a sort of a Japanese samurai legend. His name was Toshiro Mifune. He was in films like Seven Samurai, Rashomon, all things like this. He was basically the samurai in sort of the 50s and 60s films. Wasn't he the, the inspiration for Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yes, he was, yeah. Did he just ruin that for you then, man? Was that, was that going to be your next fact? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't, <laughs> was actually. It? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It's just that he is amazing, though, and you're watching me. He, he exuded sort of charisma, and they're doing like a lot of tributes to him at the moment. Because, yeah, he was born 1st of April 1920, so he would have been 100 this year. You know, he's an absolutely fantastic actor. That was December 1997, and it was also very famous because the film Titanic came out. I always wonder, for those unaware, and I don't know how many people that is these days, James Cameron's epic historical adventure Titanic follows the tale of 17-year-old Rose, played by Kate Winslet, who I have no idea how old she was at the time. She's 17 in this film. She's supposed to be, yes. I did not know that. Is that the opposite of Keira Knightley in Love, actually? What's that one? Like the opposite, where Keira Knightley, the actress, was very young, but played someone older. Okay, yes. Uh, right, yes, yes. I yeah, think yeah, Kate Winslet yeah. was relatively young at this point. I don't think she was 17, obviously, but I think she was maybe early 20s. I think she was quite young. I think she's older than Leonardo DiCaprio, though. Well, I think Leonardo DiCaprio was was like in his mid-20s at this point. Oh, was he? Oh, maybe yeah, I think so. I think they are. I think she was still... She Maybe she was younger then. Who knows? Maybe we should have found out. <laughs> <laughs> well, she is marrying the definitely... She's intending to marry the definitely older Billy Zane. Uh, and the yes. two aristocratic families coming together. However, obviously, when she boards the famous Titanic for its maiden voyage, she meets the artist Jack Dawson, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And the two fall in love. But it doesn't last very long. Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, yes, Titanic. What do people think of the film? I actually quite like the film now. However, as a child, this film was a stinky girls film for girls. Yep, well put. And <laughs> se- seven-year-old me was like, if I go see this film, even like with my grammar or something, I'm going to get cooties. <laughs> you got to keep away those cooties. Exactly. But I actually have watched it back since, and I do like the film. When was the last time you watched it? Uh, probably about f- three or four years ago. Okay, so recent. 
it was on ITV in the Sunday afternoon and I just stuck it on and I was sort of engrossed by it. God, with ITV adverts, that must have been about five hours. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite long. <laughs> Alex, what about you? Um, which question? <laughs> My opinion of the film or when I last saw it. <laughs> yeah, well, what do you think of the film? I think it's good. I think it's... We watched... Um, in the last couple of years, uh, we watched uh, all the Best Picture winners, of obviously, yes. which Titanic has won. And probably, I would definitely put it at least in the top ten. I think it's genuinely like one of the funnest films to watch ever, because it's just so much going on, so much mad yes. stuff. Yeah. But we watched... So, yeah, I watched it when, like, a year ago, maybe? maybe okay. Maybe a year and a half. So, relatively recently, we watched it. The one thing... I mean, we might, you might, we might go into this, but I think the one thing that I really didn't remember until I watched it more recently is the weird framing device of the guy looking for the Titanic. I'd completely forgotten that that happened. And I think yes. at the beginning, it goes on for, like, half an hour or something. <laughs> it's, like, the first... Yes, it takes a film. long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, the film never seems like it's in a rush. At all, you know, even when the sort of chaos starts, that feels like, gosh, you know, even when you've seen it before, you're like, there's another hour, hour, 20 minutes of just pure chaos and carnage, basically. I thought I didn't like this film and I rewatched it last week. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, all elements of it, even like the, the romantic elements, which I, again, I thought, you know, cootie stay away when I was younger. I thought it was really good, and yet I think it does definitely go up a notch when it hits the iceberg, and just the production value and everything about it is just so impressive. Just a technical marvel as well as a good film and a sort of a good story. I just can't believe like how they made it. I think like you said as well, Ben, like, about them taking them the time with the story, that, that really makes that sort of end set piece, like half an hour, 40 minutes, all the more impactful, doesn't it? Because it's just, <laughs> it's just they, they don't even rush that part. It's dragged mm. out so slowly, or yes. every single bit. It's just great, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, and yeah, it's dragged out. I once watched a video on YouTube. It was like behind the scenes on how they created all the, well, disaster bit going forward. And okay. Some of the practical sets they created for this film are absolutely insane. Like the yes, the actual ship they created like a fifty foot scale version of yeah, it and yeah. actually smashed it. It was yep. just insane, and I think that's why it was so massively over budget. It was ma- it was hugely late. There was a lot of panicking producers and executives behind this film, thinking we're just going to lose money here. Nobody expected it to be the film it came to be. And yes, it was, as people probably are aware, it was the highest grossing movie of all time and it held that record for 12 years until James Cameron broke it himself with Avatar. Never bet against James Cameron. Never bet against James Cameron. That's what I keep saying about Avatar (laughs) 2. Oh my God. Because, I mean, eventually it will come out. (laughs) True. But yeah, I think there was... Go on, Alex, go on. Now, I was just going to say, I think it's sad that Avatar beat it. (laughs) Because there's a definite gulf in the quality of those two films. (laughs) Oh, see, I like Avatar. Well, you're on your own there, then. I don't think I am, but yeah, I understand. I might be on my own in this sort of trifecta. In this conversation, you are, yeah. Well, I assume. D, come on, draw your line now. Titanic over Avatar. Okay, that's fine, that's fine. Um, well we'll end the podcast there, and... <laughs> Play us out, D. The podcast will not go on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it held that record for 12 years. It has the joint most number of Oscar wins with 11. Do you know what the other two are? Yes. Ben Hur and Return of the King. Return of the King. Do you know the third? That this I knew that one, but did you know it? Ha- it's also joint highest number of nominations. Do you know that, what that's with? I didn't Ooh, know this. I don't know. Is it something that didn't win that many? Uh, well, it's a film. I mean, it's quite an old film. It's from the fifties. Wings. No, uh, no wings. No, I think it's fifties. To be fair, I'm, I'm guessing it's all about Eve. All about Eve. Yeah, it's all about Eve. Good job. 
Got it. It did win Best Picture. It it did win Best Picture. Yeah, because oh, you saw it in your list of. Did you watch it? Yes, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it just you know it just absolutely floored everyone, and people didn't expect because James Cameron's films before this were sort of heavy on the action. You know, we're talking Terminator, we're talking Aliens, True Lies. We're talking what was it? True Lies. Yeah, just before, just literally before this. A sort of a very heavy sort of historical romantic epic does not sound like it's up his street, and that that's a gamble to put the amount of money. I think it cost two hundred million, and I think by comparison, Avatar cost two hundred seventy-five. Like another ten years later, there's still that's a lot of money. It's probably the difference in sets, isn't it? Like yes. it's Avatar, like what sets does it have? It's all CGI no, yeah. more or less. Yes. Whereas like yeah. D said, like the amount of construction and stuff that went into Titanic is probably gigantic. But but yeah, still like you said, a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of money. And obviously one of those Oscar wins was Best Original Song. And the song, My Heart Will Go On, as famously performed by Celine Dion rocking out the sweeping pop ballad, is obviously the main theme for Titanic. Music was composed by the late James Horner, who I didn't realise was had died. I didn't know he'd died either. Yeah, I think he I died in a, in a, is it a skiing accident or something? It was an untimely death. Just when I was reading about this, I didn't realise. And yeah, and the lyrics were by a man called Will Jennings, who I'd never heard of, but apparently he wrote uh, Eric Clapton's Tears in Heaven, which I Ooh. really didn't know. What, as in wrote the lyrics for it, or co-wrote with Eric Clapton? He co- well, he co-wrote with Eric Clapton, yeah, he wrote, yeah, with, uh, t- yeah, wrote Tears in Heaven, which is a pretty good, you know, equal claim to fame. And originally, neither James Cameron nor Celine Dion were sold on the song initially. Looking back on it now, it seems to be a cornerstone for the film's popularity. I'd say. And, you know, at the time, swept the charts. I think it was number one in 20 countries altogether. She got four Grammys just from the song, as well as her Oscar win. And, yeah, it's, you know, really, really was absolutely huge. Astronomically huge at the time. So, yeah, similar to before, what's your opinion of the actual song? So, continuing the theme, when this song came out, it was a stinky girl song for girls from that stinky girls film for girls. Uh, so I hated this song as a kid. I would watch Top of the Pops each week, and when it got to number one, <laughs> and it was this song, I would quickly jump for the remote and turn it to, I think Emmerdale was probably on at the same time. That was, to, to a seven-year-old me, Emmerdale was better the than listening to this song. <laughs> but I'm older, and I like the song now. It, it really goes for it, and I, I like that. It really does go for it. Do you think it's better than Emmerdale? Uh, the theme song, or oh, the full gosh. show, because I've not seen the full every single episode of Emmerdale, so I can't quite compare. Let's say the theme. I mean, the Emmerdale theme is pretty good. It is pretty good. How did you pre- how did you predict my next question, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> I just knew, man. I could sense it. I could yeah. sense that's where yeah. the conversation was going. So yeah, it's kind of so uh, yeah, it works for you, Alex. What about you? Um, well, this song just really reminds me of uh, my mum and dad's caravan club um, <laughs> because it would be the closing song of the evening on Saturdays, <laughs> pretty much for like five, six years after the film came out. Uh, I remember that so, caravan yeah, club well. Yeah, so that's my direct connection to it. But I mean, you know, it's just a classic, isn't it? I think as well, it gives you the chills. It gives you the goosebumps every time. Oh, yes, yes. I think so. Have you seen the video any time recently? Uh, I feel like the video is just clips from the film, is it not? Mostly, yes, and just her with the sort of the wind machine going and, you know, heavy lighting (laughs) on the front. But at the sort of the, you know, the drop, the breakdown, where it's like a drum beat and then she goes into that huge sort of bellowing yaw. Like there's this sort of like quarter head turn that she does to the camera and bloody hell it like knocks it's just whoosh, go on love she's giving it all her welly key change moment oh yes yeah 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 she's uh she's she's giving it the you know she's, the lungs are on show 
<laughs> the long term. Sure. Yeah, so do you think the two, because like, you know, we're talking, what, 23 years now. Would you say the two are still coupled in memory? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, I don't think you can separate the two of them. I mean, when, where, I was going to say, where does does the song with lyrics, I don't, does that even feature in the film? I know the music is the same, isn't it? So very similar. Yeah, like the motifs throughout the film, but I don't know if, I don't know if the actual song is in, in, until the credits, I don't think. No, James Horner, because James Horner wrote the song, as in like the instrumental and he wait. Apparently, the story is he waited for James Cameron to be in a very good mood before presenting. Because James Cameron just didn't want a pop song in it at all. He thought it would lower the tone of the film, like you know, it, it involved in any circumstance whatsoever. So James Horner waited for a good time to show him it. Quite liked it. Had to convince Celine. But yeah, the James Horner version, just the instrumental, plays basically when Jack and Rose are together. So when they're kind of like you know, it's like star-crossed lovers when they look in each other's eyes. It starts playing the the sort of the opening music it's not the the Celine Dion version it's just the first song in the credits it really makes you wait for it seeing as you're about five hours deep into the film at that point <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> it really, yeah you really have done because apparently James Cameron is not an easy man to please from all what is said about him anyway seems like he's a man who knows what he likes and if he didn't like the song he wouldn't have just said it but I, I do wonder slightly if he, you're behind budget if you're um sorry if you're over budget and you're behind schedule are you a bit more sort of because apparently the executives wanted a song because they thought it would help market the film you know i don't know if celine dion was a household name at the time but i know she was around um whether they thought oh you know that'll help us drive a bit of revenue you know set out to release an album with like a hit song on it mm. i mean do we think do we think that the the song did that or do you think that the film was big anyway and it just it, it was you know mutually beneficial it's difficult what do you think d i think the song made the film bigger yeah you do. was the song released first or were they literally the same time so, uh, it was i think it was released just earlier within the month yeah so it kind of was like giving you like a little taste of the film yes <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah because I, I i remember the song almost better than the film as in like at the of, of the time like i remember yes. the song being on every music channel like you said d on top of the pops all the time so i suppose it was like rammed in your face a lot more than the film maybe was so maybe it did maybe it did do that maybe it did help market the film oh yeah people to see it i feel it was bursting out of every car radio like you do say it's on top of the pops it was just always on and it's like it's basically what a three and a half minute reminder of the song yeah and the tr- and the and the video is essentially a trailer yeah a long trailer <laughs> yes yeah 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 it is but even the the video as well and watch it the the you know the breakdown it's it, it times it to when it hits the iceberg it's perfect <laughs> of course it does it's just absolutely you know the drum beat is just with a crack when it hit when the boat hits it's absolutely perfect clearly my estimations in both of the song and the film have gone up in the past week because yeah i think before then i would have said i didn't think the film had aged that well but like I, I don't know if it's because, and I often think of the length. I think that's what I always think about. And what about what about the special effects as well? Was that on your mind as well? Do you think maybe they wouldn't have held up as much? Yeah, no, I'm a bit janky now. Well, I, I I did think it, but it was like I think I was so amazed because like Dietrich one has already pointed out, there's so much actual practical effects, and so it just yeah. still feels real. I think there's only there's like one or two shots where. Um, at the end, when it's going through the wreckage, like the the hallways are lighting up as if it was still like 1912. 
that's kind of like special effects, but it still works. And I think because the music that that and it's that backing that James Horner track, the Celine Dion song, it just works. It kind of like I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's nostalgia or something, but it, it does catch the heartstrings, and I think it just works perfectly. It works really well. Yeah, so I was reading some an article recently, in, but it was saying that its reputation, My Heart Will Go On, they were saying it's the second most iconic power ballad of all time behind Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Ooh, I was going to say Total Eclipse of the Heart. I was going to say Can't Find the Moonline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, this is the thing. I think there's a lot of preferences, but <laughs> nice. I think they were saying, like, iconic, as in, you know, reputation, standing, legacy i see where the i see the comparisons with whitney houston's i will always love you yeah but whitney houston's was a cover though wasn't it of dolly parton's yes i feel i feel automatically it should be reduced down the list put put (laughs) selene at the top i don't know what if there was a list this was just a comparison between the two but yeah it just got me it got me thinking about that sort of legacy of both the film and the song and whether it still has lasted you said like alex it so it was in the it was at the uh the caravan park for about six years but something obviously knocked it off the perch well actually it could still be there now and that's just that's just when i left <laughs> I, got, I, I left the caravan <laughs> okay. site before the song did before celine dion became irrelevant yeah yeah well i mean yeah she, go on i was gonna say the other one was share believe but i don't know if that was ever like the the last song of the night but that was another one that probably maybe came after it i, I always think with the interesting thing with the whitney houston comparison because i will always love you the film as in the bodyguard has not done well in like the the test of time does that like as in that song because that song as is often considered like you know it's the one that i always think of on like the x factor when someone says they're going to sing it and you just hear all these ooh ooh big song big song as if like there's like that's the that's the marker of like a you know a legacy of music to compare yourself to and i, I i've never really thought of my heart will go on in that league i think there's like an element of um cheese about it isn't there as yes. people have it yeah, in a different yeah. category to, to uh, Whitney Houston. I don't know if that's because it's Celine Dion and not Whitney Houston, and there's maybe a difference in there. But yeah, I think it's it's sort of considered much more of a like yeah a cheesy song. So that could be yeah. something to do with it. I, definitely with the with the music video as well, with the wind swept. There's like the heavy light on her. Like I think she's on the ship in one or two scenes as well. It's uh, it's definitely cheese is probably the first emotional like feeling you do think you're almost laughing at the video until like the breakdown comes and then i'm getting flustered i think it's almost like the cheese factor is too far one way with say a bon jovi song it almost feels like you're in on it like yep it's cheesiness well this it's sort of it is still quite sincere yes but it's still cheesy so it sort of isn't as fun almost yeah, no, I agree. That's a good point. I think that's probably to do with the seriousness, serious nature of the film, isn't it? Because the film is like quite a yes. serious topic and a true topic as well, like true event, genuine disaster, a genuine disaster. So kind of like the fact that sort of mix gives it like a serious edge to the song. And like you say, they don't maybe view it as a sort of like you would Bon Jovi, like cheesy in that regard. So I think maybe that's the difference. That's a really good point. Yeah, I could never imagine going to like. A karaoke bar and choosing my hat will go on <laughs> not anymore you just it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna not, no well first of all i couldn't reach those notes but yeah i just think it's too cheesy and to be fair that was gonna be my next point because i was reading a few an article i think it was in vulture the american magazine and they were saying that the song has, ju- has just not stood the test of time 
it's just fallen to the wayside. But they were saying that same thing for the film as well. And they were saying that the f- they're both seen as in like that old romantic epic doesn't exist anymore. And that a lot of sort of romance films are now very nuanced and very small. Yeah, yeah. Or like rom-coms, I suppose, as well. Or like intelligent rom-coms, that kind of thing. Yes, yeah. yeah. And that the old sort of, you know, like Pearl Harbor, and it's this sort of like a romantic love story with the backdrop of like a terrible disaster. Mm. You know, these sort of films of the time. Yeah, I suppose it is. I mean, the 90s especially, there was a lot of films like this, like English Patient is another perfect yes. example of like a like best picture winning film. And like I think if you look in the 90s, at, say, say, as an example, the best picture winners, the vast majority of them are like quite epic in scale. And then as soon as it got into the noise, you kind of see a reduction in that. And it becomes a lot more like grittier, a lot more individual stories or the, the struggle of the individual rather than this grand event that includes a large amount of people and then pick, you know, pick a story within that to tell the story. So maybe it's just a change in culture generally, but I think it's still yeah. all to place now. I think when, like we said, we all watched it in the last five years and we all enjoyed it yeah. on the same scale. And actually I think the fact that it is a bit ridiculous and it is a bit over the top and it is grand, they don't make films like that anymore. And so that's kind of why it's good. <laughs> that's why it still yes. resonates. Yeah. yeah. The fact that, was it Vulture you said? The yes, I think it was. Like they may be referring to it as like a romance, like a, a grand romance. I think in a lot of ways that's maybe like a simplification of the story because I think it's. I don't know whether it is specifically a romance, in my opinion, and I think the song echoes that as well. It's more of a story about Rose's journey to separate herself from the shackles that have been put on her by the society that she lives in, and Jack's sort of the. He's that gateway to escape that world. So it's kind of. Yes. There is a bit of a romance there, but they only know each other for how long? Like a week, maybe. Well, yeah. Well, I think that's I think that's where the comparison comes because it's that it's that windswept, yeah. You know, just falling in love at first sight. It's that element of it, isn't it? It's that. Yeah, I do genuinely think the story is more about what almost what comes after that. That was the moment in Rose's life where she could be free all of a sudden. And I think at the end, when you see like pictures of her in the time after the Titanic, but yes, before yes. there's like loads of pictures of her having like a good time of like, ex- you know, going on explorations, discovering the world. And it's almost like that sort of brief romance with Jack was the opening to that world. Um, so yes. it's a romance, but it's, a, it's also, it's more like a journey of not discover self-discovery, but self-liberation, I suppose. Yes. And I think, I think that's kind of what sometimes maybe gets missed. And I think in the song as well, like you have, there's like a line that's like, you're here, there's nothing I fear, which we all know is in the song. It's sort of like she's carrying the idea of what he enabled her to achieve with her rather than the romance. And I think that's maybe yes. something. Yeah, that's kind of a slightly different interpretation of it. No, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think when they were writing it, uh, James Horner and Will Jennings, they said they wanted to write it almost as if as from the point of Rose. They didn't write it with specifically that relationship in mind but just as in a general sort of like a someone looking back at like a lover as in in her older state sort of reflecting on the romance that she had mm-hmm. and that sort of you're here of like the keeping that sort of the spirit with them and you know that sort of sort of staying with them through it even though they've passed and i think that i guess that's in the same way that's what the film's about isn't it is that what he's passed on to her that belief of you know living life to its fullest doing what she wanted rather than being shackled by her sort of aristocratic marriage ties. Yeah. And it's it's inter- it's it's almost like the incident of the Titanic which happens between like the old world and the new world. And like Rose, even though she's American in the film, 
she represents that old America or, you know, that's influenced by the British. But then when she arrives in America, she has a new identity. She's completely on her own. It's more of that sort of like immigrant side of America and doing everything for yourself. It's it's almost like Titanic is marking that. They try to mark that point of when America changed from the old world to the new world through the character of Rose. Yeah. Shouldn't have thrown away the heart of the ocean, though. <laughs> no, it reminds me of Bruce Almighty. When, when he's like, why did you throw Why did you throw the, the heart of the ocean over the boat <laughs> yeah. at the end of Titanic? <laughs> it's symbolism. Yeah. The heart yeah. is symbolism. It is. Well, I miss that. I suppose. But Celine Dion performed with it while she was wearing it. So obviously Celine Dion, she obviously jumped in the ocean, went all the way down, got it, came back up. And that's, you know, that's a little relic. So I think she's ruined that, D. Perhaps that chef that survived the actual Titanic disaster found it on his way back. And gave it to Celine Dion when he heard the song. I mean, I don't know if this is covered in Titanic 2, the sci-fi original. <laughs> it isn't. I've seen it. It's not. <laughs> it's a shame. It's a shame. There's no heart of the ocean. There's no more. <laughs> what was the What was the tagline to Titanic 2? It was something like... Um, looks like history is repeating itself. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. Celine Dion was not brought back for the, uh, the sequel. It's much more of a disaster film. The second one. <laughs> There's nothing else going on. <laughs> yes, it's like a Poseidon it's adventure. It's like a Poseidon it? adventure, but, but much worse. So do you think the cheesiness of this song affected people's opinion on Leonardo DiCaprio? Because at the time, he was just some rubbish actor who was a teen heartthrob, and now is essentially considered one of the best actors of all time, and hardly anyone will disagree with you. Do you think it was tar with the same brush? I'm trying to think what came out before. I know he, he was I, I, in. What is it? Eating Gilbert Grape. What's eating Gilbert Grape? What's eating Gilbert Grape? But he was very young there, right? So there wasn't. He is very. He is very good in that. No, I don't think he was in much, a lot until this. I think this was a big break, and he was the heartthrob. But yeah, I think just, like just after this, he had a string of like really big films and working with big directors. I think he was in Catch Me If You Can in like 2000. He's in The Beach, which did very well. So yeah, this definitely launched him. And I think still he is seen as like an extremely attractive man in the film, but just in character as well. You know, he's free spirited, can draw a very good naked lady. <laughs> is that why you actually like the film, Ben? Uh, what the, his artistic qualities are, the naked ladies. A bit of both, really. I like that. I like everything in the film. <laughs> just leave it at that. <laughs> Do you think the film would have benefited from more Billy Zane? Uh, everything can benefit from more Billy Zane. He's great in it. <laughs> He's a cool guy. He knows how to flip a table and scare someone. He is great. He's just great, generally, isn't it? And just the name, Billy Zane. It can't be his real name. It's a superstar name. Can't be his real name. I mean, why Why did Why did this film kind of launch a career for Leonardo and Kate Winslet, but not Billy Zane? Like, he wasn't in much after this, was he? I know he's older, but he wasn't in much before this or after. Could just be the classic typecasted bad guy. You do When you do a performance so well that, you, you know, you struggle for roles. Like the guy from Dirty Harry. And you can say, who's that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's okay. the best response to that, that that point, because no one remembers the bad guy from Dirty Harry, because he was too good. And that was his career. I thought you were going to say, and the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he was. He was really ugly. So we did mention it earlier, but do you think the movie Titanic still has significance in the year 2020, or even the song itself? Yes. I personally think so. I don't. I mean, I think we discussed, didn't we, whether or not the two 
co you know if they coexist or whether there's you know one that's stands aside from the other but i think the two do really go as a unit yep but i would say the song still has you know significance today yeah i would say so i think just listening to it and it gives you that sort of like goosebumpy feeling but it does remind you of the film as well which i think is a good film song from film yeah it is intrinsically linked to the film yeah. isn't it what about you ben yeah exactly the same i just think you can't think of one without the other and it's a i'd say it's a yeah very good song and a very good film okay well i guess that uh leads us very nicely onto whether or not the song or the film is better with the section which still doesn't have a jingle Movie or song? Ta-da. Uh, Alex, you can go first again. Again. <laughs> Thanks for the pressure. Um, ooh. I would say film because you still get the music. And I think it's the music, almost the music more than anything that gets me. Yes. That yes. just sort of like, you know, that little like musical cadence. That's that's what I live for. So I'm going to say film. <laughs> <laughs> Your sustenance. So that was to the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, film. Right, cool. One nil to film, Ben. Yeah, if before last week I would have said song, but after watching it again, definitely the film. Yeah, I've got I've got to agree. So it's it's a, it's a clean sweep for the film. Huzzah! Well done. I think is that is that one of the first times we've had that. Usually the song wins. I honestly can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I. Th- I think there has been a couple where the films won. Viewers, you can tell us. You keep a score. Probably should be keeping track of this. Yeah, like yeah. a little spreadsheet with. Uh, maybe at the end of the year we can have like a uh, a face off between them, like a March Madness type thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, film or song. I actually think it's quite evenly split at the moment. I, I have memories of song songs winning, so it's justifying this segment on the podcast, everybody. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so that will bring us to the end of today's episode. Thanks for joining us today. Why don't you? Why don't you let us know what you you prefer, the movie or the song, or is it maybe a bit of a wash? Is it, are they both about the same? Does it matter? <laughs> it does matter. <laughs> on the podcast, it doesn't doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, yeah, so follow us on Twitter at t s f m pod. There you go, got that right this time. Even though I've written it down wrong <laughs> in my notes, I started reading it out and was like, that film? No, that's not right. That that from song. That's what ah, I'm that from song from movie. That from song, yeah, that famous podcast. Yep. Uh, so um, it's uh, goodbye from Alex. Real men make their own look. Billy Zane. <laughs> 1997. Real real men make their own look. Billy Zane. Michael Scott. Essentially <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Dwight, but yeah. yeah but it's the Wayne Gretzky thing, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. But Dwight says it in the office. <laughs> uh, and it's goodbye from Ben. There was not enough room on that piece of wood, and I'll fight anyone that says there is. Oh, no, there definitely... Well, the po- there was enough room, but it wouldn't have floated. Wouldn't have floated. Wouldn't have floated. I hate that argument. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Mythbusters might have uh, done it and came to that conclusion. Good people. Good, honest people at Mythbusters. Got my vote. Yeah, because it was already half sinking anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, well, he, he, literally, he literally tries to get on, and it like almost pulls her off. Stupid argument. He did the right thing. Because if they'd have like, taken it in turns, they'd have both died. Correct. So... Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Toodles. Toodaloo.
Alexa Stoll. Is that Siri? It was, yeah, she just decided she wanted me to start a film quiz. So, you know, she's trying to get involved in the podcast, fourth member. 